19 minutes it is uh, before 9 p.m. Uh, under the microscope this evening, we're taking a look at uh, some of the economic ideas of the African National Congress uh, embedded in the uh, economic recovery plan that uh, was announced uh, during the announcement of the outcomes from that uh, National Executive Committee meeting, which was uh, looking and I guess uh, uh, honing in on some of the big issues that are facing uh, the South African economy. And joining me uh, to take a look at this is uh, the Head of Economic Transformation uh, in the African National Congress and uh, also incoming uh, Chairperson of the Development Bank of Southern Africa, and that is uh, Enoch Godongwana. Bao Godongwana, good evening to you and uh, uh, welcome to a Metro FM talk, Wamgilegil. Uh, good evening, uh, uh, Let's maybe start uh, uh, on, on this particular front here. Um, just give us a sense of, uh, I guess, how the conversations have unfolded over the last few days or so. Uh, we did hear from the uh, Secretary General of the ANC about some of the key insights that emerged. Uh, but for some of the people who weren't necessarily inside uh, the uh, deliberations over the last few days or so, just give us a sense of uh, what uh, shape the, the, these took and uh, I, I guess some of the as is expected in the ANC, some of the uh, contentious and fiery and lively debates that you would have had? No, it was one of the most robust, uh, honest, frank discussion, and uh, without any tensions in the, in the ANC. And, and, uh, it was a very good meeting, and our approach was not necessarily to say we're discussing the uh, winning paper. Our approach was to do discuss the crisis, and we then ask people to, to, to present papers to the extent that they will contribute in the resolution of the uh, problem. And Mbowani's mm. uh, paper was discussed in that context. Okay. Uh, let's maybe discuss in turn, I guess, some of the uh, issues that uh, emerge there. And I want us maybe to take a look at, at local government. Uh, I think successive conferences of the ANC have uh, resolved to explore... Um, let me just say, local um, government is not my purview. Okay, okay. So yeah, so let's maybe put that aside. Let, let's put that aside. Uh, maybe Cocta, we'll, we'll try and get Cocta on the show. Maybe they'll be able to respond yeah, to that. Let's yeah. maybe put that aside here for a second. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, just, just on the issue of maybe our own industrial strategy as a country, I think that might be a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people have uh, made quite a bit, including the paper that you were referring to coming out of the Treasury, about mm-hmm. the targeting of our industrial policy and whether or not uh, we're looking at too many sectors. Uh, if we whittled it down to fewer sectors and had a bit more focus, we might be able to achieve a bit more. And it seems that uh, this uh, document that came out of the ANC was really in many ways a, a, a reaffirmation of uh, your continued focus uh, in your industrial strategy uh, on uh, the key sectors where South Africa has a comparative advantage. What is that going to look like uh, in the sixth administration? And did uh, the uh, NEC give uh, considerable attention to that? Let me just caution first and foremost about industrialization in general. Uh, it, there has been a decline in manufacturing, particularly developing where in the developed world, in some cases, developing world. In South Africa, we've seen that um, in the from the late 70s, we've seen a decline in manufacturing. So there's been a continued trend of declining in manufacturing. Mm. So we must have that in the back of our mind that we, everyone who's trying to, uh, to develop uh, an industrial strategy is uh, is actually have got to deal with hurdles. Mm. So I'm t- making that point. The second point I want to make is that there has been a critique that says we've been focusing purely on on targeted two sectors in particular, the automobile and the 
the textile industries. Mm. So focusing on two on on a, on, uh, on 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 small sectors or a few sectors as good also is drawbacks. So uh, I think at the moment we are in a process where from a, a party perspective we would be interested in evaluation of what has happened and what works, what does not work. Mm. Let's let's also take a look at some of the network industries. I think a lot has been said uh, about over the last few days or so about our uh, rail and port infrastructure and opening that space up uh, for private players. Uh, and I'm quite interested uh, in uh, you know uh, what uh, we what the ANC means when uh, you know it talks about modernising network industries uh, and uh, outside of ownership, what that modernisation looks like. All those things have got to take place first is the efficiency issues in that sector. For instance, if you take uh, at the port, you've got to say, uh, how do we make sure that we can introduce efficiency at the port? I'm using a port as a starting port. How do you make sure that your crane moves per hour are improving? And, and how do you make sure that your rail is functioning in a manner which uh, it can be able to outcompete a road, a transport, mm. and make it attractive for people to opt out of the road into, to, 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 to rail. All of these issues have got to be uh, have a fair discussion amongst ourselves. How do we achieve those objectives? But in terms of where we're heading to, for instance, we're clear in terms of rail that we'd like to move. As a, uh, and, uh, rail is better equipped and more uh, uh, to... Uh, to, to transport and release pressure on our roads. Mm. So that would require efficient uh, rail infrastructure and modernization. Mm. And the cost thereof also, I, I guess, is a crucial one because we've heard many uh, yeah. corporations saying, you know, uh, a lot of the cost disincentivizes uh, even the value addition uh, uh, that uh, ideally uh, should be happening in our economy. Yeah, no. The costs are a, a critical factor. If uh, I mean, if you take one company says to me, uh, they buy a commodity from Northern Cape with 140 per ton, but by the time it lands in Newcastle, it's 870 mm-hmm. rand per ton. Mm-hmm. So all of that layer of added cost is our network industry. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about labor-intensive industries uh, just for a second here, about Um I think. Many people would uh, agree with the view, AT. Uh, the biggest challenge from uh, a jobs perspective that we have in our economy uh, due to the skill bias of our, uh, of our growth is uh, largely semi and unskilled uh, participants in the labor market who are effectively uh, closed out of that market and uh, either join the ranks of the unemployed and uh, we continue to see this kind of thing. And you've targeted here and uh, earmarked some labor-intensive sectors that you think uh, if they were to grow, would be able to contribute to this challenge. Agriculture, tourism, clothing and mining. And maybe I would also add to that uh, the construction sector and some of the infrastructure projects you've spoken about. Uh, what, what are some of the concrete things that the ANC is suggesting to its deployees that are going to go into government, especially when it comes to these sectors? The first thing we're saying, we've got to reprioritize our budget in favor of infrastructure spending. Mm. Precisely because if you see now, because of the lack of infrastructure investment, both for the plug-in private sector, uh, you'll see that a major, a number of the major players in the construction industry are on business risk. Mm. And that sector on its own has got um, 
as it's got the ability to absorb uh, uh, most of them skilled labor. Not only it has got the ability to absorb most of that skilled labor, it also absorb um, um, production from other sectors. Mm, like so steel, 40% yeah. of Forty percent of the production in the engineering and allied industries goes into the construction sector. Mm, so mm. it has got a major impact on other sectors of the economy. That's one set of issues. Then, in coming to agriculture, the NDP says uh, working properly in that sector is a possibility of employing of, of, of another million jobs. Now that requires that does not require any policy space. All it requires is our people to say. What is meant by that? What is it that we should do? The debate they're going to say, what is it that we should do to to generate these million jobs in that sector? Mm, mm. And how do you hold them accountable for that? I mean, uh, surely now, if you're going to kick the can to them, you can see we've actually been most of the uh, regulatory issues that were impacting on tourism yes. were beginning to, to 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 remove some of those obstacles. The mm. key challenge that we're beginning to say now, having removed those obstacles is whether we have got sufficient capacity in consular services to be able to provide visas on time. Okay. Let's pause there for a second. I need to take a quick spot break, and uh, we'll continue on the other side. And, and I want us maybe to talk about uh, that relationship there between the party and some of its employees, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, the expectations and how... Uh, many of them are, are going to be held to account uh, going forward. I'm in conversation with the head of economic transformation in the African National Congress, uh, the governing party, and that is uh, Inok Godongwan. And we're talking about uh, the outcomes of that uh, National Executive Committee meeting uh, on the economy. We continue on the other side. Seven minutes it is before the top of the hour. I'm in conversation with uh, the head of economic transformation in the ANC, uh, Ino Kodongwan, and we're talking about uh, some of the outcomes from uh, the uh, NEC meeting that was looking at uh, the uh, uh, economy and how to... uh, uh, I guess, uh, get it on a good footing again and uh, to uh, recover some of the value and uh, the jobs that uh, seem to be uh, on the line. And uh, he joins me now on the line. About Kodongwana, we're talking just briefly, I guess, about the kind of marching orders, one would think, uh, and maybe that might not be the best use of the word, but the kind of marching orders you would give uh, to many of your deployees and government. Uh, because also the you know the SG also spoke about accountability and consequence management, and I would think that the consequence management is, is not only when it comes to your regular expenditure of resources, but also in where you've been given a certain mandate by your organization or a certain message from uh, the highest decision-making body about how to intervene. It might be in tourism, it might be in another uh, a sector or department. What, what happens when some of those designs don't come into fruition? Yeah, let me just say, in the past, we've always maintained a position where the party has got, it does not have to micromanage its deployments mm. and give them space uh, to govern by providing a policy framework, and therefore they've got to be uh, given the space to govern. One of the things we were beginning to explore is that, yes, we should not be micromanaging deployees, we will give them the policy framework, but we must be able to hold them accountable for uh, both the, the the implementation of policies and outcomes. That's the, 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 the issue, and therefore, in that regard, we'll have to have hold people to be saying there must be consequences for failure to implement uh, the policies or 
to achieve the desired outcomes and targets. Mm-hmm. Let's talk briefly, I guess, about our energy mix and uh, the uh, integrated resource plan. Uh, and uh, uh, it's said here in this statement that uh, that plan should articulate the lowest cost option for the future energy mix of South Africa with an increased contribution from renewables. Um, and that you're also going to be taking a look at some of the fuel cell applications, which will make use of our uh, extensive resources in platinum group metals. Uh, uh, how far are we in that regard uh, on the fuel cell side of things? And uh, more importantly, I guess, on the just transition away from some of the fossil-based fuels. Uh, uh, what does that look like and what is the articulation of the ANC about uh, how we, that we, takes shape? We have, we have set ourselves a target of making sure that we can, uh, at the moment, uh, we're not necessarily on the same page in terms of the dust transition. Mm. In this regard, not necessarily that there are differences, is that we have not been able to develop a coherent strategy which each department can follow and, and have an understanding. In this regard, we have given ourselves a task uh, of a month to ensure that we can make sure that there's uh, kind of a, a blueprint which everyone will um, will agree on, so mm. that by the end of November we make a submission to the national executive on our approach to the chance transition. Mm, mm, okay, and uh, we also, I mean, heard recently uh, just before I let you go, we also heard recently of your own appointment. Uh, as uh, the uh, chairperson of the Development Bank of Southern Africa. And many people would think that uh, that will play a, a crucial role in uh, the rollout of some of the infrastructure uh, that uh, has been outlined in this particular uh, document. Just maybe uh, give us a sense there of what role and function the DBSA would play alongside other state agencies in bringing some of these projects online. First and foremost... Congratulations, uh, in, by the way, uh, in, in, <laughs> in the state of the nation address, the president made reference to the fact that some of the there's going to be an infrastructure fund, mm. and in that regard, it, uh, using that infrastructure, DBSA will leverage private sector finance. But DBSA itself is quite a huge organization with an, uh, a nice balance sheet, which it can be able to utilize effectively. Um, and thirdly, the DBSA is going to work with the private sector to leverage private sector funding as part of a broader strategy on the infrastructure span. Mm. Okay. Um, and um, I guess uh, also registering my congratulations to you on uh, assuming that particular role. But um, just I must congratulate you on your new role as well as part of hey, the I knew that one was coming. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> that that being said, I mean, I, I want us maybe to touch on something, and it might not be uh, in your purview, and might be in the purview of your colleague uh, yeah. Kumbuz on Chabeni. But uh, it's relevant nonetheless, uh, and I think it's it's about the role of small and medium-sized enterprises. The National Development Plan earmarks them as a major job creator, um, and the ANC is saying now we need to have some form of framework where we document people that are trading inside of the country in order uh, for their for that not only to contribute to. I guess, an orderly uh, trading environment, but also to gather some of the market intelligence that's needed to inform policy. Uh, how do you anticipate that happening? Because I think it, it might be something that's relevant not only just to, to foreign traders, but also uh, traders it, from South Africa as well. In the press briefing, the Minister of Finance simplified it. He says, we need to regulate any business in the country. Mm. In other words, not make all the bureaucratic procedures um, simplify it. One of the things we are saying in the document, uh, we're going to benchmark ourselves every year against the World Bank's uh, assessment of ease to do business. 
Mm. So what we're saying is that uh, we must make sure that there's ease, that it's easy to do business in South Africa. But for God's sake, everybody who does business in South Africa must know who is doing business where. Mm. Does mm. he comply with the standards? For instance, if you are selling food, are you complying with health standards? Are you complying with all of those things? So we need to know who is selling where and what product so that to be able to provide the necessary standards and regulatory framework. Okay. Bogorongwan, we'll have to leave it there. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. And uh, as I indicated, wish you all the best in your uh, new role as the chairperson of the Development Bank of Southern Africa. Same to you. <laughs> 9 p.m. is 9 p.m. is the time, and uh, that's where we're going to have to leave it with our conversation there with the chairperson of uh, the Economic Transformation Committee of the African National Congress, uh, which uh, came out of a uh, NEC meeting looking at the economy over the last uh, few days or so, and uh, we'll uh, certainly watch uh, quite closely, I guess, uh, what comes out of that. Uh, but that's where we're going to leave it for today. Back with you again tomorrow. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, being with you, Ngalenji Galanga, and as always, Segulendo Nangoku Yoko Ibanga Le Economy.